Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is the time in the service when we open the Bible and we read from it and listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. And so if you have your Bible, feel free to open it, or some of you have an app on your phone. You can follow along on the screen also, and friends at home, it'll be on the screen for you as I read. We're reading from Isaiah chapter 9. All through Advent, we've been reading through the prophet Isaiah and looking at his predictions and prophecies about the coming of the Messiah and the way God would show up in the world. And so this is the promise of uh, the one who was born for us. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. Friends, listen for the word of God. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let God's people say amen. 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 One of my favorite Christmas stories you may not realize is a Christmas story It happened on a Thursday in 1903 on December 17th. Do you know what it was? The Wright brothers invented flying a week and a day before Christmas. And when you do something big like that, you got to tell somebody, right? You got to tell somebody about it. And uh, they couldn't, didn't have an angel to send to announce the good news the way the Lord does. And uh, they wanted to tell their father back home in Dayton, Ohio, the Reverend Milton Wright. Uh, He was back in Dayton, and they were, of course, on the Outer Banks in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And so they couldn't email. This was way before email. This was 20 years even before home phones were a part of most American households. And so they sent a telegram. A telegram. And here's a picture of the telegram they sent. You can go on the internet and you can actually look this up. This is a piece of American history that I think is just extraordinary. And I want to read it to you because it's great. Uh, By the way, in telegram language, there's not a lot of like ands and buts and commas and stuff because you're paying like by the word, right? So it's just, it's like right to the point. Success. Four flights Thursday morning, all against 21 mile wind started from level with engine power alone. In other words, this wasn't a glider, like this was actual flying from the power of the airplane. Average speed through air, 31 miles, longest, 57 seconds. In other words, uh, how long their longest flight was, 57 seconds long. Inform press, okay, tell about it, tell the newspaper. And the last thing they said, home Christmas. Home Christmas. How's that sound to you? Maybe... It's like a little anticlimactic, like they just changed the course of human history forever, and the last thing they got to say is not like, yeah, we did it. Home Christmas. Home Christmas. Anybody who's ever been away from home on Christmas, they can tell you how sweet those words are. 
home for Christmas. I wonder if any of you have ever been away from home on Christmas. Anybody who's ever spent Christmas in a hotel or stuck in an airport, they'll tell you. Anybody who's ever spent Christmas in jail, they'll tell you. Anybody who's ever spent Christmas overseas serving their country, they'll tell you. Anybody who's ever had to work on Christmas, they'll tell you. A lot of people are working tonight. You know that, right? Like police officers and nurses, I mean, they're still working. And we're, we're having family time and we're worshiping God. We're eating cookies and they're working so that we can go on about our lives. Home Christmas really matters, friends. Really, really matters. Uh, and this year, I think you've noticed with me that there's another layer of complexity to this idea of being home for Christmas because some of us are not able to be home with the people that we want to be with, with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or the cousins because we're concerned about the pandemic. Uh, on the other hand, some of us feel stuck at home. And I wonder, friends, and many of you feel a little stuck at home. Some of us feel like, man, I'll, maybe I go to work or maybe to the, the Kroger, but that's about it. Otherwise, I'm kind of stuck at home these days. And so uh, we're, we're in need of some good news, aren't we? Uh, to say this year has been a disappointment is a gross understatement. 2020 is the uh, Clark Griswold equivalent of expecting a Christmas bonus check in the envelope, right? And you're so excited because you're going to finally put it in the pool that you've always wanted, and you're going to fly your whole family in to help you dedicate it, even Cousin Eddie, who can't swim. And that's okay because it's going to be a celebratory time. But you open the envelope, and it's not the Christmas bonus. It is a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. 2020 is the gift that keeps on giving. The whole year. That, that it is, Edward. <laughs> right? I mean, it's been that kind of a year. It's been that kind of a year for us. And so home Christmas really matters for us on a year like this. I know, but this is not a new idea, right? So your, your grandparents heard a song about this that was sung by Bing Crosby in 1943. And he said, I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. I guess they used to put them on the tree instead of under the tree. Anybody? Testimony? Anybody? Presents on the tree? Okay. Yes. All right. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. It's all I can do not to sing that to you instead of saying it. Christmas is best at home, friends, uh, which is a little ironic, right? Because the first Christmas was definitely not at home, was it? Mary and Joseph were a long, long way from home. So the story goes that the emperor announced a census. And back then, they didn't have census takers who came to you. You had to go to them. So the emperor wanted to levy taxes and make sure he was getting enough money from all the households. And so everyone had to go back, not to their hometown, but to the hometown of their ancestors. And so because Joseph was descended from the family of David, he had to go back to the city of David known as Bethlehem. And he surely was not going to go without his very pregnant fiancée, Mary. And so they took a long trip away from home. You know, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it was like 80 miles or 90 miles, which if you're a bored kid in the back seat, you know, that's long enough driving. But imagine walking. Imagine walking and you're nine months pregnant. And in the storytelling and the pictures, we put Mary on a donkey, don't we? Because we feel bad for her, and we can't imagine in our imagination making a pregnant lady walk. But 
the Bible doesn't say she rode a donkey. That's, I mean, we sort of added that in. So maybe she did, maybe she didn't. It was a long way, friends. It was a long journey, a long way from home. And even when they got there, they didn't really find a homey place to be because everyone else had already beat them there and the hotel was full. There was no room in the inn. And so Mary delivered the baby in a barn. Mary delivered the baby in a barn. Uh, Some of you grew up and spent a lot of time around barns, and maybe you grew up on the farm or you worked on the farm and you fed livestock and cared for horses and put up hay. Uh, The barn's great, right? It's a great place to store tools and equipment, to do projects, to house the animals. On my grandparents' farm in Indiana, it was a wonderful, magical place where these suburban boys could go and explore right, for hours and hours, and we would check out Papa's tools, and we would shoot hoops, and we would chase the cats, you know, feral barn cats all over the place, and we just had a blast. We thought that was awesome because, you know, in the suburbs of Northern Virginia, there's no barns, but in Indiana and farm country, barns are great, and barns are good for lots of things, aren't they? But having babies is not one of them. (laughs) Our hearts are, are warmed by the rustic pastoral images that we paint onto Christmas ornaments or that we draw onto Christmas cards, nativity scenes by the fireplace. We see Mary smiling gently and Joseph watching protectively over the newborn son. And we see the wise men offering their gifts. And we see the animals kind of curious, right, and huddled around looking peaceful and reverent. But the magical Christmas scene we imagine is no match for the harsh reality of childbirth in a barn. It looks good on ornaments, doesn't it? But it's not so pleasant in real life, friends. So given the choice between Christmas at home or Christmas in a barn, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Christmas at home all the way. The barn is for animals. The home is for people. A barn is cold, Home is warm. The barn is rugged and rough. Home is comfortable and soft. And that's where you keep your favorite blanket and your favorite pillow. At home, the great thing about home is there's a different room for each of the different human things that we need to do on a given day, isn't there? There's a room for eating, and there's a different room for sleeping, and there's a different room for going to the bathroom. In a barn... All those things happen in the same spot. Home is where we welcome honored guests. You know, barns are where you just kind of put stuff for later. Home smells like chocolate chip cookies or or Christmas ham or cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning, right? The barn smells like, hmm, you, you know, you know what the barn smells like. I'm not allowed to say that in church. So it makes you wonder, friends, when God chose to show up on the earth to make His appearance as a human being in this place, why in the world did He come to a barn? Why would God do that? Talk about being far from home. The King of Heaven left His throne of power and glory and exchanged it for a manger. And we sing, Why lies He in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? On this night, friends, the king of the universe is laid in a feed trough, surrounded by the earthiest scene that you can imagine. There's animals, and there's straw, and there's manure. 
This is the peculiar glory of Christmas. You know, for all the pomp and circumstance of our modern holiday, for, for all the golden decorations and the finery with which we decorate our houses and our trees and celebrate. The power of the first Christmas is actually that it had none of that. The power of the first Christmas is in its surprising ordinariness in the idea that not only would God become human, but even more that God would come to common people in common circumstances in a common regular place. The Savior of the world is born in a barn. Which is that's not a nice thing to say to people, right? I mean, we save the insult for the people who lack civility. Uh, like when it's freezing outside and your kid leaves the front door open again, and you're like, what are you doing? Were you born in a barn, right? I mean, that's the insult that we, we say to people. So uh, on this night, maybe we're tempted to ask the Lord the same thing. God, you know, what, what are you thinking? You promised us the Savior, but don't you have any better sense than to send Him to such a cold and dirty and smelly place? And then maybe in some moment of quiet reflection, we realize that's actually the good news of Christmas. That if God is willing to come to such an unpleasant place as a barn in the first century of the Middle East, it means God is willing to come to such an unpleasant place as your life and my life. Even when our hearts are cold or dirty or broken or forsaken. And that the good news of Christmas is God does not just leave us. God is willing to enter into the most desperate circumstances. Even into the year 2020, God shows up again for us. Christmas is a taste of the reality of God's presence with us. And I love the way John puts it in the, the book of Revelation in chapter 21, verse 3. He says, see, the home of God is among mortals. That's us. He will dwell with them. They will be His peoples and God Himself will be with them. Friends, this is God's grace for you. This is how much God loves you. That He's making His home not only in heaven, but also on the earth. And on Christmas, He comes closer to you than ever before. And do you know why? Do you know why God comes? To remind you that you are not alone. To save you from every sin you have ever committed. And to give you comfort and joy. Especially on a year like this. To give you comfort and joy. Friends, this is the mystery of God's grace. The mystery of God's grace that is embodied at Christmas time is that the birth of Jesus is a real, one time historic event that happened in a real place called Bethlehem to an actual woman, a teenage girl named Mary, and a stepfather named Joseph, born into a community, a, a Jewish community in a town called Nazareth. That is the reality of the birth of Christ. It happened 2,000 years ago, and there's historical record of it. And yet, at the same time, the birth of Jesus is an ongoing, present reality because He is born again and again and again in your heart, in your heart, in your heart, and in my heart. Jesus comes to us wherever we are, whether we're stuck at home or whether we're here in the room, or whether we are at work, or in our neighborhood, or wherever we are, Jesus 
comes to us. That is the mystery of God's love for us on Christmas, my friends. Christ is born for you. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen.